Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. We are back for another fan zone show, and it is going to be one hell of a show. We have a lot of stuff to get through today. I'm joined by again my co-host Anthony is with me today. We we have Angela with us, we have Jeremy with us, we have Rishab with us, and we also have Corey with us. Look, Anthony, I'll come to you first. We've since the last time we were on the show, just a couple of days ago. Uh, all hell is broken loose in Chicago Bears land. How has it been over the last few days? All right, first of all, i got to get this out there. The name Chicago Bears will not change, people. Let's all just relax a little bit. If they move to Cork, Ireland, it would still be called the Chicago Bears. Everyone just needs to breathe a little bit. Um, it's insane. It's just watching people implode. And then what I find even better is Green Bay Packers fans trying to deflect from their absolute crap show going on up the road and decide to try to go, oh, you're going to call yourself the Arlington Bears. Hilarious. Yeah, it's very funny. Look, uh, Ace, we'll come, to, we'll come to you next as you have it on kind of your line there. What's, what's your opinion on, on all this craziness? Because, like... It, I think everybody was just so transfixed on everything that was going on in minicamp. And then an hour after Justin Fields is finished kind of talking to the media, the Bears via kind of Ted Phillips just drops a bombshell on everybody. So I, I like Soldier Field. I don't like being in Soldier Field. I just like the history behind it. Um, but I do think it would be real fun to have a stadium where – you could go out to dinner in the stadium. You know, the Bears could possibly host a Super Bowl if they throw a retractable roof on there. Um, you know, throw a casino in there. There's a lot of things. The Bears have to pay rent right now, right? That's that's what they do at Soldier Field because they don't own the rights to the stadium. So having their own stadium, all the revenue that comes in is theirs. That goes to the team. That goes to, you know, all types of different things that they could look to, you know, lower ticket prices. I mean, realistically, probably not. But I think it's it's a smart move to move into the future for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Corey, uh, again, it's been, like I've said to kind of some, some of the other guys here, it's kind of been a crazy kind of 48 hours because I think everybody expected it to be once all these kind of interviews at minicamp are over, we get pretty much six weeks of absolutely nothing from the Bears. And then suddenly we get kind of the biggest, one of the bigger stories of the offseason that, I think a lot of people were expecting something to come out soon, but what was your initial opinion when you saw kind of the statement by the Bears? Oh, emphatic yes. Absolute excitement. The only reasoning behind saying it feel that I can possibly empathize with are feelings, sentimental feelings. The NFL is not run on sentiments. The Chicago Bears are an organization. They are a business first, and they're seeing dollar dollar bills at that Arlington location, as they should. They're gonna own the land outright, they're gonna own the field outright. They can develop all the all the area around it. Um, retractable roof, improved field, you know, increased seating by 30%, they can host Super Bowl, Final Fours. It it makes too much sense where it matters most and, and that's financially. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Jeremy, you, you have a kind of a unique position on this considering you're out there in New York with two teams that aren't really based in New York when, when you talk about their stadium. So you kind of see this all the time. We see it basically throughout the NFL anyway. So what was your kind of reaction to actually looking at everybody else's reaction as this went down? 
Well, I think it's hilarious that everybody is like, oh, they're not going to be the Arlington Bears. There's actually another team in the NFL that plays in a town called Arlington. That's the Dallas Cowboys. They're not the Arlington Cowboys. So, like, ridiculous <laughs> argument gets me really fired up when I hear people say stuff like that. But, yeah, look, I see – like, I tweeted this. I kind of don't have a strong take on this. I see pros and cons in staying in Chicago and moving to Arlington. But everything that everybody said, like, we want, we want to host a Final Four. We want to host, you know, like – uh, my headphones is falling out as I speak. Um, we want to be able to, like, you know, the casino for me is sportsbook. Go to the game, gamble on the game. Gambling's legal in Illinois right now. There's just so many opportunities here, and it's like, I, like you said, I live in New York. It's a it's like 30 minute train in New Jersey to uh, get to a Giants game. I saw the Giants play the Bears in 2018, uh, and that kind of unfortunate loss that happened in overtime. Um, you just pop out there and like, I think public transportation is something I'm going to ask about because I don't really know of the easiest way to get to Arlington Heights from Chicago other than maybe like MTA uh, or Metro. Sorry. Yeah. Um, that might be a little bit of an issue, but for cars, obviously it makes it so much easier. It's so hard to get to Soldier Field. It's impossible. Like I actually had a friend like five years ago was hung over and couldn't go to the game because he got so sick in stop-and-go traffic on the way to Soldier Field. It was a casualty of the game. So that's just not going to happen when you're <laughs> going to Arlington. Yeah, it, it's crazy because, like, I remember going to games, and what I used to do is I used to cycle along the lakefront and get it and get there that way because it's the only way to completely avoid the traffic because it, it, it is kind of insane. Look, Rashad, what's, what's your kind of opinion on this? Because, like, like we said, a lot of us seem to be – seems to be in a similar mindset here that it's mm. it makes sense financially it makes sense in terms of the bears organization but then i guess like Corey said it's that sentiment that a lot of bears fans have that they right. are used to seeing soldier field that yeah. when you at the start of the game you see the big backdrop and it's just really nice to see but then you have to look at it and it's when you go to games, it's not the most pleasant experience going mm. to a Bears game if you're there at Soldier Field. Right. I totally agree with what you guys already said, but I've kind of flip-flopped on this back and forth. Like at first, a couple months ago when the rumors came out, I was like, no way the Bears should move out to Arlington Heights. Like, why would they go to a suburb? Doesn't make any sense to the Chicago Bears, you know? And also like going to the city, it's just like, it's, it's a special atmosphere, right? You got like you said, you got Lake Michigan on one side, you got the tall buildings on one side. So it's just like a unique location that you're not going to emulate at Arlington Heights. But when I heard like the other side of the story, you know, talking about how we could build a stadium that's way bigger than ours right now, right? Getting 70, 80,000 people on one stadium, that'd be really dope. And all the other stuff we could build there too, like casinos, hotels, like it could be a whole kind of Bears themed resort thing. So, I mean, I'm kind of like, I don't really care what happens. If they stay at Soldier Field, I'll be totally fine with that because I like Soldier Field the way it is. But if they do decide to move, I'll be okay with that too because we could create a lot a lot of new memories in that new stadium. So, And I also live way closer to Arlington Heights than I do Chicago, so it'd be good to get there for me too. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because the one kind of comment that I keep hearing people say is that, and it is very typical when you're, when you do, when you're in Chicago, is that, if you live in kind of the suburbs or kind of far from the city, you're not really a Chicagoan, even if you may have lived in the city for like years beforehand, but as you get older, you kind of move out. And then people are saying, well, this is going to be the same thing for the Bears, but you have to look at it. And a lot of people are, will say that, well, what about kind of the recent ones? And the one I always kind of compare it to is San Francisco. They don't play in San Francisco and they haven't played in San Francisco in a long time. It's, 
it's an interesting one. And look, Corey, I, I want to get your opinion on this. Is what do you think? Because you you mentioned that there's both advantages and disadvantages to this. What do you think the main advantages are for, I guess, Bears fans? Because we we already know the financial element for the McCaskies is going to be massive because they don't own their stadium. If they own their stadium, they're going to be one of the richest franchises in terms of what it's worth in the NFL because they're already fairly high up and they don't own their stadium and they, they have to, they're renting it out from Chicago, from the park district. So what are some of the, I guess, the advantages that you could see for, I guess, fans going to these games? Because it might be difficult to kind of change some people's views on, like we said, the sentimentality of being able to go to the city, go to Soldier Field to see a Bears game. You know, I, I'm excited about this idea, and I'm going to have to drive 20 extra miles to get to the games. Where the racetrack is right now, it's right off a major highway. There's a metro stop right there. I, you know, the Bears are going to work with with the city on infrastructure. I, I don't see transportation being an issue. Um, you know, ask any Bears fan in mid December, sitting sitting in Soldier Field with the with the lake wind coming in, their ass is freezing off. They can't drink their beer fast enough because it's because it's freezing. Ask any one of them, they're gonna say, "Man, I wish I had a retractable roof right now, sitting in nice seventy degree seventy degree weather." The field is atrocious. Um, I I think just an upgraded fan experience is long overdue for the Bears. We're what one of the oldest franchises, and we have the worst and and smallest stadium in the NFL. So. Um, you know, and I think about what Wrigley did all around, all around Wrigley Field. They have completely built that area up. There's fan zones, there's hotels, there's bars, there's restaurants. Um, I think it could just be a completely improved fan experience all around. Um, you know, the the phrase "If you build it, they will come." I there are way more pros to being a fan in Arlington Heights than than there are cons. Yeah, absolutely. And the the one thing that kind of resonates for me is I've been going to Bears games for a very long time. As I've mentioned on the show, I found me in Chicago, so I get out there every year normally when COVID's not going on, but I get to get to some of these games. But the one thing that kind of changed my mind on, on this before is I went back to one of the London games where the Bears played the Raiders, and the day that was on, it was freezing cold. But when you got into the stadium, it was warm. So, like you're there in your kind of jacket or hoodie outside. The minute you get in, everybody's taking it off because it's because they're able to basically control kind of the heat and stuff that's in the stadium. And it's something that would be very nice going to a Bears game in December where it is freezing cold outside. And you, like you said, Corey, you don't have to worry about drinking your beer in two seconds because you spent a lot of money on that. And you want to be able to save it a little bit longer than about five minutes. But look, Ace, I'm going to come to you on this one. Again, what are some of the negatives, I guess? Because there's a lot of positives that we can talk about. The fan experience that you may be able to go bet in the game. You make it kind of this Chicago Bears like city or park area that we see in so many of these stadiums now. And it's a, it's a huge plot of land. But what are some of, the, some of the negatives, I guess, that could come along with this? Uh, I mean, to me... The only negative I could think of is the history is gone from the building, right? That's, you know, that's what the Bears hang their hat on. The, the, the charter franchise, you know, we had the 85 Bears, Walter, 
you know, Singletary, Buckus, all the way down. The the past is is what the Bears have always kind of leaned on. That's the only real negative I could see from a fan standpoint is not being able to say, hey, I took my kids to Soldier Field. But that's the best part about it, right, is, is making new memories, making new history. The Bears need to kind of look that way, I believe, into the future instead of in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. The, the one thing that I I kind of wanted to get to, and look, Anthony, I'll, I'll bring you in on this one because we've kind of mentioned it before on shelves but haven't really gone deep into kind of talking about kind of the intricacies of moving stadium because there will be some fans that will be completely against it that won't want to go, but you have to just look at some of the other teams that have done this and how they've just upgraded everything. Like, we constantly kind of slate the bears for this kind of mom and pop shop thing and then i go back and think well they don't own their own stadium so like they're losing out on so much revenue there that other teams are getting because they're you just have to look at minnesota's new stadium well recently new anyway and it's just it's a completely different level like you look at you go to soldier field and yeah, it's a lovely stadium. It's really nice. It's beautiful if you can go in in the summertime for like a, some sort of like preseason football game or or preseason kind of soccer game because the weather is nice and it's it's actually a relaxing atmosphere. But then you compare that to some of the other stadiums in the NFL. It's not even close. It's the smallest capacity. Like we've said previously, it is hard to get to. I know there's a lot of people that will say it's not. I think those are people that probably live fairly close to the stadium that don't have to drive and all that traffic. So what's what's your opinion on this? Do you think that, like like Corey said, if you build it, they will come, that that's just what's going to happen? If the Bears do end up getting, kind of if their bid does get accepted and they do end up moving, do you think that this is a, a big positive for not only the – kind of bears as the organization but their fan base yeah i do i think i think it's the smart move one set of warning though just be careful and um, what i mean by that is if you look at in the uk in the premier league soccer there was a couple of big moves that didn't really work out for the clubs um so arsenal football club and west ham united football club, two premier league soccer clubs who made an absolute hames of moving their fans to a new stadium um, where they move the season tickets around and they put people in different locations. Just be careful you get that right. That's really important, getting that detail right. Putting that all aside and getting, once you've got the fans intake into it, what the stadium looks like, what it feels like, and going back to what they said about the fact that the history, you can bring the history with you if you do it right. And it's got to be done right to it. It can't be plastic. It can't be like too too kind of folksy. It's got to be done right with a Chicago feel to the stadium. As you say, it's their stadium. They can do what they want. But this is something Chicago Bears have to do if we want to get on. Because, look, let's be honest, we haven't won anything in, what, 30-odd years, 35, 35, 40 years? So where is our history in those 40 years? Nothing. Absolutely zero. So let's look at what we can do in the future and what we can bring into it. And look, it also gives the other side of it. So let's say we do get that accepted. Let's say we've got five years to get out of out of Soldier Field and move to, move to Arlington Heights. And that gives us five years to win the Super Bowl under Justin Fields. In Soldier Field, as a good boy. And using the two examples I gave back in the Premier League when both West Ham United and Arsenal left their state their stadiums to move their new stadiums, their last season was their best season they've nearly ever had, in the case of West Ham United anyway. And it just shows that it can be done. But it's just that's the only bit of warning I gave. You gotta make sure you get it right, the fans take on it. For the city of Chicago, I actually don't really understand the problem 
the city of Chicago would have a moving to Ireland. I think the mayor of Chicago, and I live in Ireland, so I have no idea. The mayor of Chicago seems to be falling over herself, making a absolute hames of this. Um, and look, you guys, you guys know much more about this than I do. I'm just kind of watching it from from afar. She doesn't exactly seem to have uh, helped the situation. Let's put it that way. She doesn't really help any situation, to be honest. So <laughs> I think I think that's, I didn't want to say. It. I, didn't <laughs> I think say that, it. I think that's the biggest problem with with that one. But like, I get look. Um, Rashad, what I want to kind of go through on this one is just to kind of finish it off is we saw the Bears renovate Soldier Field not too long ago and they made a complete balls of it and it's it looks terrible and so what do they need to do different this time? Because again, <laughs> it's still the same people that are in charge that kind of renovated the Soldier Field into being probably one of the ugliest stadiums in the NFL. Right. So, I mean, I'm no architecture expert, so I probably can't speak too much about this. But just based on what I've seen at Soldier Field, obviously the amenities really suck. Going to the bathroom, you can barely do that. Even getting a drink or something, like you, you can, you, there's like no water fountains anywhere, right? So you have to spend like five or six bucks on a water bottle there. So it's just maybe make it, make, um, you know, water and food more accessible, make the restrooms more accessible, make the whole thing a lot bigger because. Like we know, I mean, Soldier Field is one of the smallest stadiums in the entire NFL. So if you just make the entire thing a lot bigger, I think that's in itself something that would be pretty cool. Look, you have to get 70, 80,000 people in there. And also with parking, just make parking a lot easier. Because right now also, you know, parking is so hard at Soldier Field, right? Just first of all, getting there, but then parking, there's not really a lot of spots. Um, tailgating is a pain in the ass. You can only tailgate in like certain locations. So just make like a big location for like tailgating for partying and stuff. And I think that's... That's pretty much it. It doesn't have to be too, you know, um, complex. Just make it simple and big, in my opinion. Yeah, the one thing that I, and I will kind of end it with, with this particular one is I want them to take their time with it, though, because you don't need to rush into this because you want to build it properly and not just the stadium. You want to build the kind of outside area. to, Like you were mentioning, Corey, in terms of with Wrigley, it took them a while because, look, they were dealing with the rooftop owners and all sorts of kind of issues there. But with Arlington, the Bears are going to have too many problems once, once if they did get their bid accepted because you can see the, the owner of kind of the plot of land is very much into the Bears kind of being able to kind of come there. He's kind of been saying it for, for years now about that the Bears should kind of take this on board and kind of go to Arlington. And I think he was probably happier than anybody when all this kind of started to come out because he was – kind of putting the whispers out a few days prior to the bears actually um announcing announcing this but look what i want to get to now is the actual football because that's there's still a lot of stuff to talk about there and corey i will come to you first on this because we had quite a lot of talk in terms of justin fields and andy dalton this week again um where i wanted to start was actually some of the stuff that matt nagy was saying on it because one thing that I mentioned last week and Anthony would, would know there is where I mentioned that Mark Silverman didn't get a question asked in one of the press conferences and they promised that he'd get to ask it. And he basically just wanted to ask if Andy Dalton was promised the starting job. And while Matt Nagy said that he no promises are there, but he did tell him that he's the starter. But the interesting point was the follow-up question where he asked if Justin Fields can win the starting job or can it change? Amat Nagy in his own kind of way basically said no, that it seems that it's assured that Andy Dalton 
make it as long as there's like no injuries that are going to be happening is that he'll be starting in week one. So what was your opinion when you started to hear some of this? Is it something that you expected or do you think that this, the plan that they have might be a little bit too rigid and you have to allow for if Justin Fields has an excellent training camp and is doing really well in the preseason games that if he forces his way and looks better, that he should be starting week one. You know, I think we've lost sight of the fact that the the two most important people in this scenario, Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, are on board with Maggie's plan, right? And not only are they on board, it's blossomed into a, a veritable bromance. You know, you got Dalton taking Fields out to dinner, and Fields is poetic about uh, you know everything everywhere that Dalton is helping him. So, you know, these these are only good things, and I have to say for Nagy by maintaining a clear chain of command on that offense, it blocks out all, all the noise. It aligns the offense to a common goal of hopefully some kind of offensive scheme or establishing a run game, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, you know, I think at this point in the offense or the off season in the middle of June, any kind of talk of quarterback competition would would be unnecessary noise now you get to mid-august you see how they performed at training camp i can only assume fields is going to have a few snaps um you know in in the preseason then i think that it's it to revisit Nagy's position but for the middle of june without any kind of um you know traction from fields at this point he's working he's talking about working on effectively enunciating the play calls to the offense right now, right? Because OSU ran no huddles with, with the calls coming in from the sideline like 95% of the time. Something like that is fundamental to a veteran quarterback. And I get more excited to, to think that Dalton can't provide any kind of value to field's development. Um, I'm, I'm probably gonna get a lot of hate for this, but in the middle of June where we're at, I'm on board with, with Maggie. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. Look, Jeremy, it's a it's a really interesting discussion because a lot of people have wavering views on this. Some people are, you just have to look kind of on Twitter and some people are all in that say Justin Fields has to start because maybe where he's drafted or the type of quarterback he is. But Corey makes a really good point is that the biggest, it's the biggest kind of progression that needs to happen for Justin Fields it's just the fact that he needs to be able to control the huddle he needs to be able to call in the plays because it's the one thing that he didn't do in college and most college quarterbacks don't do it um so it's usually the biggest kind of learning curve that takes place going from college football to the NFL level but then you look at it and he, he talks about in terms of the playbook he had he knows kind of the plays and he's not going to have too much of a problem there so how big of a learning curve do you think this is going to be for Justin Fields if he doesn't start in week one? And do you think Matt Nagy was right? Maybe it takes a little bit of the pressure off Justin Fields early on so that people aren't obsessing over every interception he throws or every touchdown that he throws. Yeah, so I think my view on this has changed a good amount because kind of a couple of weeks ago when this conversation started, I was full, like, start Justin Fields week one. Like, what's Andy Dalton going to do for your team in 2021 when – like obviously all this excitement and all this like you traded up for this guy that was kind of my take at the time but i'm not a trading camp i'm a thousand miles away on the east coast but what i've been following and like what i've heard from guys who are there is like yeah like he he's never been under center he's been fumbling snaps in practice and that's 
Like, that's going to happen. That just happens to college quarterbacks when they come to the NFL. And I think that's probably going to happen with Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance, especially a guy who's, like, had very little experience at the FCS level. Um, and, like, I think the most important thing to remember here is it's June. And I wrote a story a couple of years ago when Mitch Trubisky was throwing, like, interceptions in August in training camp. And I was like, guys, it's August. Like, there's they haven't played games yet. We're so excited about Justin Fields. We are, like, there's a great reason to be – I think this is the first time in my lifetime that Bears fans have been this excited about any prospect, especially a quarterback. Um, so we just want to hear good things. We want to hear that he's going to start week one. We want to watch him week one. But there's just so much that goes on behind the scenes, obviously learning you know, learning how to command a huddle, learning how to take a snap. And I think my big concern kind of always has been Matt Nagy's a bit kind of stubbornness and kind of desire to stick to like the plan that he learned in Kansas City. Everything Matt Nagy does is based off Kansas City. He runs a very similar playbook to Andy Reid. Like he mentions Kansas City pretty much every time he gets the opportunity. So if he's holding out Justin Fields because he thinks it worked with Patrick Mahomes, that's not what I want to hear because Alex Smith is better than Andy Dalton. Justin Fields is more pro ready than Patrick Mahomes. So like that's just the thing that would get me annoyed, but I do think we're the whole kind of frenzy about this kind of rigid thing that Matt Nagy has said on multiple occasions. It's June. We can kind of wait. Things can change. Justin Fields can dominate in training camp. Andy Dalton could get injured or something. There's just so much time between now and week one against the Rams that I just feel like, yes, there is a learning curve. We kind of have to acknowledge that. We kind of have to respect that these guys know football. Like They're, they're an NFL or Matt Nagy is an NFL head coach for a reason and understands this. And I think we got to just, at least right now, when we can't really – extrapolate anything out to a broader spectrum right now. We just got to kind of just wait and just wait for things to play out and be a little bit patient. Yeah, absolutely. Ace, I want to kind of piggyback on something that Jeremy was kind of talking about there in terms of this plan, in terms of what Matt Nagy has in place. And it's, it's obvious that he wants to have the same plan that Kansas City had for Patrick Mahomes. The, I guess the question I have for you is how realistic is that in Chicago? Because they're two completely different situations. You look at in Kansas City, there was Alex Smith there for five years. Matt Nagy always talks about how it takes four or five years to really understand the offense. And I, I don't, I just hope we don't have to hear him saying this is one hundred one for Justin, and then next next year it's two hundred one or whatever, or two hundred two, whatever he's going to talk about. But how realistic is this plan this year? Because we saw last year that the Bears had a plan, and within two weeks it was pretty much wiped out so what are your thoughts on this yeah i mean last year the plan was kind of thrown out the window they looked to get rid of mitch as soon as they could last year you know and they had that plan with mitch when they brought glennon in too is they wanted mitch to sit behind mike glennon and and for some reason the bears seemed to find the worst quarterbacks to put in front of their developmental quarterbacks um i think andy dalton is an improvement from mike glennon my biggest thing with this plan is what if Justin Fields is better than Andy Dalton during training camp leading up to the season? The team's going to know, right? And you're in a situation where your defense is aging, and we really need to find out if Matt Nagy can coach, right? It was always, well, is it Mitch or is it Nagy? Well, Mitch is gone now, right? Nagy has his guy. What's the worst that happens if Fields was to start? We find out, can Nagy finally coach? Maybe he can, maybe he can't. I think that the plan is doomed from the beginning because I personally feel that Justin Fields is the best quarterback on that team at the moment. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because it's hard to to know because all we really get is what some of the reporters are telling us. And look, Rashad, we'll bring you in on on this one. Is what's been your opinion of kind of I guess the reports over the last couple of weeks and even just the way all this is kind of coming out. You you listen to one show and there's one opinion on this and it it's very similar to kind of what we we're talking about with the Arlington stuff. Is there's no kind of people set in the middle that the majority of people when you hear them talk about this it's start on week one or let them sit when realistically they're probably the most probable scenario and i keep saying this on the show is very similar to what happened to justin herbert last year where okay it might not be andy dalton like getting like stabbed with a pencil or a pen or something like that 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 got tyrod taylor injured last year but at some point within that kind of first six or seven weeks, I think the majority of Bears fans expect that Justin Fields will probably be under center for the Bears. So a similar question to what I said to Ace is, how realistic do you think this plan is for Nagy? Because if he's trying to do the same thing that he was trying to do in KC that year, personally, I kind of agree with Ace that it's kind of doomed from the start because we all know that he's not going to sit the entire season. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, you saw, like, obviously Alex Smith, he was in that system for four or five years already. He was playing at damn near an MVP level in 2017, right? Like, he was among the league leaders in passing yards, touchdowns, all that. So if your offense is that good, then obviously you're not going to need your rookie quarterback to play because the fans are happy with what's happening and, you know, your job is not on the line. But if you have a guy in there like Andy Dalton who – the last couple of years, man, he's only been, you know, a backup pretty much, right? Like last year, he was brought into backup Dak Prescott. When he was a starter, they didn't really do that hot. I mean, he did okay some certain games, but if you look at his deep accuracy, he was very bad. Um, short accuracy, pretty bad too. Mid accuracy, decent, I guess. But he's, I don't think he's a starting quarterback in this league anymore. So if you're not getting good production out of your starting quarterback and you have this shiny new toy on your bench, right? Like fans are going to call for him to be in. I mean, if, Obviously, I think Andy Dalton is starting week one, but if week one doesn't go well, you're already going to see Bears fans on social media talking about, hey, put Justin Fields in after the first interception he throws. And then next week, right, we got the, uh, was it the Bengals, I think, at home? And then, I mean, at that point, fans are going to be booing Andy Dalton on our home field. So, like, I just think that it all depends on how good Andy Dalton is, right? If Andy Dalton can somehow turn back the clock and perform at even an average level for us, he could be in there for like half the season or even longer if we're actually winning games. But if we're losing games, if our offense sucks, and I think Justin Fields is going to be in there, you know, as fast as possible. Yeah, look, Anthony, I'm going to give you kind of the last word in this particular topic when it comes to the Justin Fields and, and Andy Dalton. We've kind of made our opinions known in terms of how good we think Justin Fields is going to be. Obviously, there's some there's going to be a bit of a learning curve. So I kind of want to go on the other side of this is in terms of Andy Dalton where I think the most probable scenario right now is that he starts week one. So what do you think that he can give the Bears, even if it is just for a couple of weeks at the start of the season? Or like like a couple of people have, have mentioned both on this show and on previous shows, that if he does have a prolonged time starting, what can Andy Dalton actually give the Bears? Uh, first of all, I kind of disagree a little bit with Rashad. I think Andy Dalton is better than people think. And I think he, he's he's not as bad as Glennon, for example. He's better than Mitch and Foles were last year. Um, ironically, the way our quarterbacks have gone in the last 30 years, he's probably 
when he gets his first snap in the top three or four quarterbacks we've had in that period of time. That goes to show how bad that's it was. Not, that's not hard. <laughs> 100% agree with you. But I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the fields. Look, I think Ace made a very good point. Uh, we've been saying on the show, Karen, a lot. Whoever's best at training camp should start. Not, we're not and, I, and again, I get Corey's point. Corey's point is very valid. It's just noise now if we're talking about six weeks before training camp starts. But whoever starts, at, whoever's best at that point starts. Because Ace's point, and it's the one I keep going back to, is Khalil Mack, the defense, Danny Trevathan, these guys are getting old. They want a ring. They want to get a ring. The other thing is, if we want to get A-Rob on a long-term contract, with all due respect to Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton does not get A-Rob resigned. Justin Fields does. And Justin Fields gets a scenario, and, and it's what was what was up in the last while. Andy Dalton offers a lot of different things. Karen, to go watch your question. Andy Dalton does offer a lot of a lot of experience. He won't drop balls at, at, at the kind of at the line. He, he he'll work well with with his slot receivers. He'll do the basics well, and he'll teach Justin Fields how to be a professional in that era. What I said last week, last week stands. Justin Fields has been at Ohio State where he's been a professional in everything but name for the last two years. So I think he'll overtake him within within four weeks. But just to show how the Chicago Bears media staff haven't helped this situation, by not putting out any information on videos anywhere. The only thing we've seen that Justin Fields really was a pass to A-Rob, right? And the fans went ballistic. Oh, it's amazing. This is great. What they didn't show was the interception was down the sideline to I think it was Kendall Vildo, or I could be wrong. Jeremy, you might you might tell me which or whoever was at the actual case would see it. But what I thought was amazing is that the media went and showed A-Rob pass and everyone went ballistic. They didn't show a Dalton pass to A-Rob, etc. They tried to do a Dalton pass and then followed it up with a Fields pass to, um, I think it was Goodwin. And again, it's it's giving out the kind of mixed messages that are there. I think in six weeks' time, it'll get really interesting. I think, Rishab, you said it about after the first game in Cincinnati. I think at the training camp when the fans are allowed in and Dalton throws an interception at training, they'll start booing him. It could get toxic then. And and I, I, I just I can't see a scenario where Justin Fields isn't under center on week one, personally. Yeah, the the problem would be is when it hits preseason and when we have to play against the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen doesn't play that game and Mitch Trubisky's outperforming Andy Dalton, that's when you're gonna get all those boos or maybe even that family fest. Look, one of the kind of fun parts of the show that we're gonna do is one of our kind of debate topics of this week. And Anthony actually came up with this one, so it's a very interesting one. And if, if you don't like it, you can blame him. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do that. And um, but yeah, look, at the end of the season, we've mentioned a couple of times getting a guy like Justin Fields gives your team a lot of flexibility going forward. But the Bears have seen themselves in a bit of a, a cap kind of hell this this season where they're still very, very close to the cap. So with that in mind. The main topic today is, so at the end of the season, if this will pop up yet, what veteran would you trade from the Bears? It could be either trade or release, but look, it's just a, it's an interesting time because there's a lot of different kind of, there's been rumors of certain players and then there's other kind of opinions that are out there. So the way this works is each of our guests gets one minute to kind of give their point. If they go over one minute and they get muted and you can all laugh at them. But that's basically what we're going to do. Jeremy, I'm going to start with you. So who would be the player that come the end of the season that you would be happy trading off the Bears? All right. So I'm probably going to ruffle some feathers with this one. Um, but And this is kind of dependent on a lot of things. But 
So we think that this is kind of a new era of Bears football with Justin Fields, that this is going to be an offensive team, hopefully. And, like, obviously, a lot of things have to go right. We need to see some things from Justin Fields in year one for us to actually, like, be able to say this. But think about this for a second. Who is the most valuable player on the defense right now? It's Roquan Smith. And I know he's the best player on the defense. I know people are going to get mad at me for saying this. I know he was sensational this year. But he's a middle linebacker. It's not the most valuable position in the NFL. The Bears' defense was, like, good, not great last year, despite him having a superstar season. He didn't really swing. Like, he's a great player. I love Roquan Smith. But you're going to probably have to sign him to a pretty big deal going forward. He's a middle linebacker. It's not as important of a position in the NFL these days. You can trade him for two first-round picks, which is possible. I'd do it. And even if it's just one and, like, a third, you want to build an offense. We don't really care about defense anymore, and we shouldn't. The Bears have been this defensive team for 100 years. And what has that gotten us? Like one Super Bowl in 1985 before I was born. One Super Bowl appearance in my lifetime. A really, really – the best defense in the NFL three years ago, first-round playoff loss. I'm sick of us prioritizing defense. I'm, I just need offense. And you got Allen Robinson, maybe six around. Darnell Mooney, great number two, great deep threat. He's not going to be a Julio Jones type guy who's going to dominate your offense. I, You need to – well, there we go. That's that's a minute. So, <laughs> he, I thought I thought you were about to stop there, Jeremy, and then you just kept going on. But yeah, look, it's it's definitely because you're over a minute, and definitely wasn't because you mentioned it was Roquan Smith that you're trading away. Just gonna put it out there. All right, Ace, I'm gonna let you go next. Who would be the player that you would be willing to let go at the end of the season? All right, so I, I it really depends on the record at the end of the year. If this team is is below 500, let's say they win four games this year, then clearly something's amiss, and you probably lose that many games because your defense couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. Then you kind of have to look at a guy like Khalil Mack. Um, the last couple seasons, his production has dipped. Um, I do think injury kind of played a part in that, but his name alone is enough to generate some type of a return for you. I know Jeremy said – Roquan Smith, I think people are going to look at Khalil Mack and salivate over that, the idea of being able to have him, you know, come to Seattle and play in Seattle or go and help the Chargers defense that was pretty good last year, and that could kind of put it over the edge. Khalil Mack, to me, would be the most expendable player on the defense. Um, I have some others, but uh, I'll stop on that one. Very good. Just in time as well. You just hit a minute, so that was very, very good. Corey, what about yourself? Do you agree with Jeremy or Ace on these, or do you have a completely different selection? Uh, but I'm going to give up Desmond Trufant. I think that our secondary is absolutely a weakness going into this season. I think that um, especially the teams that we're going to be going up against, is they're going to they're gonna expose that more times than we'd, we'd like to. So, um, you know, seven, eight years ago, you'd whisper the the word peanut and wide receivers would be tripping over the, themselves in fear over trying to get down trying to get down the field. And we, we need that explosiveness in our secondary. I don't think we have it right now. There's a huge void with um, getting rid of Kyle Fuller. I'm not convinced that Jalen Johnson and Desmond Trufant can fit the bill. Um, we need, we need like, we need, we need Jalen Ramsey is who we need. <laughs> Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one with all the stuff that went on with Bears fans and Jalen Ramsey. I don't think there'll be a lot of people that would be, uh, let's say, too happy or 
if he came after some of the things that he said about the Bears fans recently. But yeah, that's it's an interesting one. I think every everybody can probably agree that the secondary is is quite weak, I'd say, this year, unless we do see some of whether it's Jalen Johnson make that kind of second year jump or we've we've heard a little bit about Kindle Bildor this this week, but again, it's still early on. All right, Rashab, you're up next. So who would be the guy that you'd be willing to let go at the end of the season? Yeah, so mine is also on the defense like everybody else, but mine is actually Eddie Goldman. Like we obviously got for the news this week, right? Like he hasn't shown up to OTAs and nobody really knows why. Mad Nagy won't tell us. And according to, you know, the rumors out there, like people are saying maybe he's not in shape. Okay. He's not, maybe he doesn't want to play football anymore, which I don't, I mean, I can't say that for himself, but it just seems like if you're not committed right now to go to OTAs after missing an entire year off, which I get that was for COVID, obviously, right? He had like, respiratory issues which that was totally fine but now you're not here at OTAs I don't know if you're going to be here at training camp so how committed actually are you and also last year we saw a lot of guys on the interior d-line actually step up like Mario Edwards um Bilal Nichols actually had a solid year at at nose tackle okay playing uh Goldman's position so I think that with those young guys with Akeem Hicks there too we could be totally fine on the interior and we could I don't know what we would get for Eddie Goldman. Probably not much. We probably have to cut him. But I, I think as of now, I'd probably be okay with um, trading him next year. Yeah, I actually do agree with that because you just have to look at what the Bears have done this offseason. So they signed Angelo, I think, Blackson, where he's he's played nose tackle. He's played kind of the some of the other positions on the defensive line. You saw them draft Kyrie's Tonga, which is pretty much just a nose tackle. We've seen signing this week as well in that position so all of that kind of points to the possibility that eddie goldman isn't going to be there training camp even though matt nagy said that they expect him to be because look they expected him to be at minicamp and he wasn't there so it that's that's one i think i would definitely agree with because i've kind of put it out there this week that if he doesn't show up to training camp the bears are going to have to make a, a big decision because he's making a lot of money and the bears are going to need if he's not going to show up and if he's not going to be the Eddie Goldman that we remember from two years ago, well, then at some point in time, you're going to have to make a decision. All right, Anthony, last but not least. So who uh, who's the player that you're willing to let go of? Um, I already know it's not going to be Daz Newsome. So who's no, Daz, Daz, Daz gets a lifetime contract. Um, I'm going to go the, the route of Jeremy and Ace, and I'm going to go a bit of a surprise one. And I can, I'm just waiting to see your reaction here. And I'm going with Eddie Jackson. Um, I think I think Eddie Jackson. We need to do everything in our in our back end of the back end of the field, and I think we need to get that contract off. Eddie Jackson did nothing last year. Did absolutely nothing. Um, he might not got a support, but now his his coordinator is now the head, our defensive coach. So at the end of this season, he still does nothing. Then he's got to go because it's all about Eddie, 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 and all about online about how he's going to be amazing. He's going to do this, and no one no one targets him or whatever. End of the season, they started targeting him, and I wonder why. I just, I just think that there's a potential of getting a first for him, and then we go and have a conversation about what we can get with that first, which we don't have next year. Um, that we doing. Can't wait to see the reaction you give me to this. I should have just muted you from the start because because <laughs> you, you, you know there's no Eddie Jackson slander on this show, Anthony. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, especially now he's. He's changed the number four. Look, it's it's definitely an interesting one, but I think the most interesting part there is the fact that all this is defense because in terms of the offense, we know that needs to improve. I guess 
I'll bring this one up just in relation to the offense. And look, Jeremy, I'll, I'll, I'll give this one to you. Um, Alan Robinson showed up um, to minicamp, which is a big deal because, again, I know a lot of people say, well, he, he's getting paid to do it, but most guys that are on a franchise tag don't show up to minicamp and sometimes hold out during training camp as well. Um, what do you expect to happen with A-Rob? Because I've had some people on the show that are – I know we had Aldo Gandia from – the Byron Network last week where he was fairly confident that it was going to get done. I'm still completely, I, I still think it's not going to happen and he's just going to play in the franchise tag and will end up leaving at the end of the year, which is terrible for the Bears because they need kind of one of those top wide receivers because really after that, it's a bunch of speed guys and, and that's basically it. So what's your opinion on everything that's going on with A-Rob at the moment? Yeah, so I think this situation is pretty fluid, and I think it's just going to kind of depend on what Justin Fields shows, what the offense shows, because I think he's never come out and say it. Like, Allen Robinson has been, you know, like, he's kind of had a lot of lip service, but it's very obvious that he's been frustrated with the offense and kind of the direction of this team. It feels like he likes the Bears, he likes his teammates, he likes Nagy, but, like, the man is one of the top ten receivers in the NFL, and he wants to go on a – he wants to be on a team where they'll actually, you know, like, utilize his talent the most that they possibly can, and – if you see something with Justin Fields, if he has a good connection with Justin Fields, if Justin Fields proves like he's the guy that a lot of us think he is early, I think he'll be a lot more amenable. And there's going to be more cap space coming in in 2022 um, once the salary cap goes up, obviously. I think money is not necessarily going to be a huge issue. I think it's just going to be whether or not he wants to be here. And I think if Justin Fields proves that he's a guy that you want to build around, I think they can get it done. I think if... Andy Dalton starts for eight weeks and this offense is stuck in the mud. Allen Robinson's going to get pissed off. And I think he should. I think he has perfectly decent, you know, justification in doing that. But I still think it depends on how this offense looks. If Matt Nagy, like I, you mentioned earlier, the chicken or the egg, is it Matt Nagy or is it Trisky? This is Nagy's chance to prove that he's a good coach and he can design a good offensive system with a quarterback that can execute it. If we can learn that and if he can see that, if Allen Robinson can see that, I feel like he's going to be a lot more likely to stick around. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's an interesting one. Look, Corey, this is this is a topic that I've been kind of paying close attention to because I've been listening to a lot of the experts, what they talk about, Alan Robinson. And one of the interesting ones I picked up from his interview is some of the things that people said that he needed to improve on to kind of move up the rankings was kind of that after the kind of the yards after catch because he – Typically, will he catches a lot of balls, but then after that, he kind of gets tackled, doesn't or doesn't have to kind of break out speed. And then you hear him talking about how these are all the things that he's trying to improve on. And for me, the alarm bell goes off because I just think that he's kind of preparing himself to get paid in free agency next next year. Because I just have a feeling that look, they haven't got close to a deal in over a year, and I just don't see that changing over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, it's hard because he absolutely made made a statement for himself with completely under average quarterbacks. You know, last season I think he had over a hundred receptions for over twelve hundred yards. You know, and and I you can make the argument that that the, the balls weren't thrown accurately, which is a, a big reason why he he can't get yards after after the catch. You know, so um, I. I can agree. I think that if if he and Fields can fall out 
Um, I, you know, I think if Justin gets the start earlier in the season, I, I think that he, he is absolutely looking for, you know, to, to highlight his talents. He's obviously talented. Um, I, I keep hearing reports about how he came to OTA, OTAs so, so much more in shape. Like, how much more in shape can this man I'm going to go at this point. So I hope we get it done. Um, I've been hoping for a lot, you know, we all have for how long. So um, I, I'm just, I'm hoping for that, that Fields connection. I, I think he, he stays and gets excited then. Yeah, and I also think the, the worry I would have is that if A-Rod walks, what happens next? As in, he's probably the number one free agency wide receiver on the market next year when he goes to free agency. So there's not really anybody that I can see straight away that would stand out as being someone we can go and replace with. I don't understand what's going on and why we haven't actually um, got him got him re-signed. I think I agree with Karen. I think it's gone too far now, potentially. I think... Even in his press conference this week, he seems to be very much in the feeling that this is my last year, as as Muna said in the in the, in the chat. It's the end of, of the kind of almost like the end of the road in this season, and he's got one year to do it at Chicago and break a few records, and then he'd be gone, which is really sad and very strange. I, I agreed with Pace when he kind of got him on the franchise tag because at the time the contracts weren't there for wide receivers in the marketplace. But I think he's got it wrong this time on, on not renewing him to get to keep the momentum going amongst the Bears fans because if. If we got A-Rob on a renewal after everything with Justin Fields and everything else that happened in the draft, it's another positive story to add on to the list. Yeah, the biggest problem that I had is, and it wasn't so much when it hit the offseason, my problem was that he wasn't signed during the season because typically you see guys, especially with the Bears recently, that there's been one guy that gets his contract extension at the beginning of the season. We've seen yeah. it with Eddie Goldman, Eddie Jackson, Nakeem Hicks, all of those over the last couple of years. And you want to turn into this offensive team and you have this stud wide receiver and you haven't shown them kind of, I know some people say that you haven't shown them the kind of the love, but for me, it's more of the respect. Like the guy is balled out with terrible quarterbacks his entire career has been one of your best wide receivers. And if he was here for whatever it be a contract extension that statistically he would end up being one of your best wide receivers as well. And it's, it's one thing that kind of annoys me as a Bears fan. It's like, you've got Justin Fields now, and we know we need to improve this offense. You're taking two or three steps back if you allow Allen Robinson to walk at the end of the season. And for me, I think that's the biggest fear is that it'd be different if you had some young guys coming up after him that they kind of break out in year one or like, oh, that's really good. And I don't mean just kind of Darnell Mooney that had a very nice season last year. You want a guy that you bring in and they're like, Okay, this is this is the real deal, Rashad. What what's your opinion on all this Allen Robinson stuff? Because for me, he's he's one of my favorite bears right now to just watch, and the same for a lot of people because we're sick of these terrible offenses, and he's been kind of the kind of the only light at the end of the tunnel for the offense, and we're slowly starting to see some other pieces come in where you when it makes sense. But for so long, for the last three seasons that Robinson's been here. He's been literally the only kind of positive on kind of a terrible offense. Yeah, I totally agree with what you guys already said. I mean, I think Bears fans, to be honest, underrate him way too much because I see on Twitter all the time, especially when he was like liking all those tweets about like leaving the Bears, right? Like a lot of Bears Twitter was like completely against Allen Robinson. They were like, oh, we can get rid of him now, trade him. You don't want to be here. But I'm like, 
dude, this guy has been the best player on our offense for at least, I mean, yeah, all of the three years he's been here. Like, he's been by far the best talent. And without him, we'd probably have an even worse offense. And I think that, like you guys said, I mean, we don't have anybody to really replace him next year. I mean, we don't even have a first-round pick next year, so we can't even take a receiver in the first round. Um, there's some good ones in the second round you want to take, then I guess you could do that. But I just think that, I mean, the Bears at this point, they should – be fully focused on locking this guy in. I mean, he's been the best guy on our offense. He's now going to have a good quarterback. So if he goes off, um, give him however much money he wants. Um, you know, I don't know how much that would be. I think last time the rumors were like 18, 19, maybe 20 million per year, which that would be a lot of money. But for a guy like him, I think that would be totally worth it. And also, like, starting next year, we have a lot more cap space than in years before, right? Because a lot of other, you know, aging veterans are going to be leaving um we still have a you know quarterback on his rookie deal so i think we can definitely afford it it all comes down to if alan robinson actually wants to stay here and if the bears will are willing to give him the contract he deserves yeah it's a bit that's a big thing about the contract and look while the bears are up against the cap this year you have to remember with justin fields being on such a low number you're gonna end up saving quite a bit when nick Foles' contract is up look Andy Dalton's one year. If he does quite well this year, he'll probably just get re-signed to a smaller contract next year. It's it's an interesting one to kind of go on. And look, Ace, I want to bring you on one of the points that Rashad made in terms of kind of the number, because a lot of people say, oh, this is it's too much for a wide receiver. But the simple question I keep asking is, who's a better wide receiver, Allen Robinson or Keenan Allen? Because Keenan Allen got a four-year, $80 million contract. So you're looking at about $20 million a year as kind of the base for a kind of Brit, like a fringe wide receiver one in the NFL now. So I guess moving forward, would you be happy with paying Allen Robinson, whatever it is, whether it was $20, $21, 22000000 per year? That's a difficult question because he's, he's going to be 30, I think, going into this season. So – once you start getting over 30, the body breaks down. To me, I definitely think Allen Robinson's a better wide receiver. I think Keenan Allen had better quarterback play his whole career. Um, I do think Robinson is deserving of around that $20 million a year mark. The years to me is what's going to be important, right? Because if you can get him on that for four years, you know, then at 34, he probably won't be able to be that dynamic wide receiver that he has been. And then you can kind of look somewhere else. Um, my biggest thing is there's really two wide receivers in this upcoming free agency class that are worth that kind of money. And one is Devonte Adams and the other one is Allen Robinson. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of teams out there that are going to be bidding for both of those guys. And honestly, I don't know if the bears will want to, you know, bid against some of these other teams with where this number could possibly go. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is if Alan Robinson doesn't get resigned, what the Bears will end up doing is they might go, they might settle for maybe that kind of two or three wide receiver in free agency, and they'll go and try and draft one. And that's that's the thing. That's what I think is going to happen. And I, I've I've kept saying it because I, every time watching Justin Fields, I'm like, we just need to start these bad stories about Chris Olave and let him fall to the second round. That's literally the only thing that we can do right now because, again, I, I've just had this kind of feeling where I don't think Alan Robinson's going to be here. While I completely would 
like I think we tweet out quite a lot. Anthony is like, this would be a great day for Alan Robinson to be yeah. extended. But it, the longer it goes, it just means that it becomes harder to get it done because the last thing you want to do is, and look, we see it quite a lot when it hits these kind of the dates for these franchise tags in about three and a half weeks now that a lot of people, these contracts do get done on that last moment. And I never understand why they have to wait until then. Like you've had now, the Bears have had 18 months to try and get a deal done with Robinson and they still haven't got anything done. So it is, it is an interesting one to kind of, look at over the next couple of weeks considering there's not going to be anything else going on in terms of the on the field um work because again they're they're off for the next six weeks until training camp what i did want to bring in because this is uh one of your uh favorite players to talk about because again we spoke about eddie goldman not being there but one of the other defensive stars that wasn't on the field while he was there at, at practice he didn't make it to the field is uh your good friend robert quinn where he gets a, a lower back injury Again, it's just this, it's the same old crap from last year. I know it was a different injury, and I know look, he had a, a drop foot. I know, and it's a that's a terrible injury to have, but it's a really bad start to a season where already Bears fans are like, when do we get to get rid of this guy? And it just it just seems to be same thing that happened last year. And look, what do you expect at all? from Robert Quinn or is there anybody else that you see on this roster that he needs to kind of watch out for because they're going to basically come and take his snaps because the Bears can't afford under Sean side to have everybody just focusing in on Khalil Mack because you need someone on the other side. We used to complain about Leonard Floyd not getting to the quarterback enough, but at least like he gave you something. Robert Quinn can't even get on the field. Yeah, just, just cut him. Like, yeah, it's going to cost him. 400 billion who did get rid of him like it's it was a terrible call it was a terrible move every bears fan when he saw it saw the length of the contract and the size of the contract went oh my god and also the scheme the three four he used to go and learn it it just adds up to a terrible call and you put it down to what free agency last year was terrible and you just accept it and you move on i think i think robert quinn he's going to be again injured i actually was hoping that something would, would come from it on the positive side, I think Gibson, the, the fifth rounder we got last year, there's a chance for him to go through. I'm not going to get his name right because I never do. The Atachoyu, Atachow. Atachoyu, is it? Thank you. There could there could be something. Look, I'm, I mean, we're, we're clutching at straws. I think everything goes at Mac. I, I appreciate that. That's why the golden thing is even worse because it yeah. just adds to the to the kind of holes that might be there in our defense. I am, and we spoke with this camera, I'm actually really worried about our defense this year. Um, I think our offense will do really, really well. I think at center in the first few weeks, I think we'll do we'll do, we'll change it up and we've we've really kind of focused on it. I really am worried about our defense. I think there's some the likes of Danny T is getting a little bit older. We've got he's got this positions on that wide that is that is not solidified and just this Robert Quinn thing again adds to that to that to that question mark. And I can see teams looking at Chicago and going, Yeah, we'll have a cut off these guys within the in the last two years or three years. Oh God, no, we've got to be careful this D or we got we got to work their offense isn't good. I, I just wouldn't worry about that. I think Robert Quinn. We can do one of two things. We either look at it and go, let's get him out of here, and let's look at seeing, let's say Gibson in there, somebody else that we can try and see how that goes, or we can kind of pray that he gets his finger out and realizes that all that money that I get, I deserve to be, I deserve to to get it. Hopefully, he proves me wrong. Hopefully, he absolutely proves me wrong and turns into a, an absolute beast. I just can't see it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, Corey, I'm going to bring you in on, on this one in terms of the defense because I have had – we've spoken about the defensive backfield already and how that's a concern, and you mentioned it yourself. But then you do look at that kind of front seven, which we've always said that it's that kind of vaunted front seven from the Bears. But we've seen Akeem Hicks get injured recently in the last two seasons. Eddie Goldman, we don't know what's happening there. Bilal Nichols, I know he he had like a toe injury, but he'll he, look. He's in a contract year, so he'll probably play very well this year. You've Roquan Smith, but then Danny Trevathan had a, a pretty poor season by his standards last year. And then if Robert Quinn isn't gonna kind of be any way reliable, is what are your kind of feelings going into this season with the defense? Do you think that? It, it can kind of return to being kind of that a good defense, or do you think it's probably going to be what we saw towards the end of last season? Yeah, it's kind of an unsettling feeling, not really knowing what to expect out of the defense. That's kind of, I, I'm not used to being in that position as a Bears fan. Um, there's, like you said, there's, there's been injuries across the board um, and and, and then you've got, you know, Eddie Goldman, a lot of this is a mental game. And his absence to me, it speaks to him being slightly checked out, you know. And you don't want complacency on any position, in your, especially your nose tackle, you know. So um, I, I don't have very high expectations. I absolutely hope that they prove me wrong. I'm interested to see what, what Desai does. Um, he seems like a like he's really smart. He's really organized. The defense also they respect him and that they like him. I think that that's I think that's definitely valuable. Um, but you know they're aging. I can only hope that that their hunger to win now just holds out over over everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Look. Rashab, that's a that's a really good point there that Corey makes because we heard a lot of the defensive players were speaking in terms of a lot of the player interviews in this past week. And it's all very similar that they all seem to really like Sean Desai and they're really happy that he got that promotion. What do you think that can change? Because look, we saw a lot of the players kind of regress under Chuck Pagano. And that's a big problem. The, the one thing that I want to see is when it's, third down not play off because the amount of times that you're doing that and i never understood it considering you would see some of our corners that would be like past the first down yard line and yet we kept doing it and it was so obvious that they were going to be able to get first down on all this stuff and that's why on third down we saw the bear struggle over the last kind of two seasons so what do you expect from sean Desai? because the defense is pretty much the same thing as what we saw last year except for we don't have kyle fuller so you could probably argue that it's more likely to be a regression this year in terms of like one of the main skill players on that defense is now gone but do you think with the kind of change in i guess mentality or personality of this defense maybe we may see a bit of a resurgence from a team that a lot of people are kind of talking down on the defense yeah, I mean, I think the possibility is definitely there because if you look at the talent we have on the field, it's still largely the same talent as 2018, right? Like, we, I mean, there's obviously notable subtractions. Like, we don't have Bryce Callahan. We don't have Kyle Fuller. We don't have Adrian Amos, who was a nice fit next to Eddie Jackson. But I still think that, like, the core players from 2018, Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack, 
Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, they're all there. Now, obviously, they're, like, way older, so they're not going to produce at the same level, most likely, that they produced in 2018, besides Roquan Smith, obviously. But we also did add more talents, like Jalen Johnson, who maybe takes a big step up in 2021. Um, Desmond Trufant, I know a lot of people are not particularly fond of him, but maybe he also has a resurgent year because the last time he was fully healthy in Atlanta, he actually had a pretty decent season. He just was not healthy at all in Detroit. And obviously, like, nobody even plays good in Detroit, even if you are good at defense, because their, their scheme is complete. It's horrible. So I think potentially we could be there. But like you guys said, it all depends on Desai, like how talented this guy actually is as a play caller, because he's never called plays ever before in his life. So if this guy is actually Vic Fangio 2.0, like some people are saying he is, then I think we could have like an above average defense, at least maybe good defense. I don't think it's going to be elite next year, but if it's even above average with how much our offense is going to be on the field now, you know, putting together longer drives than Trubisky and Foles did, I think that could also help out, right? If your offense is doing a lot better. So I think potentially we could be good, but I'm not going to predict us to be top five or top 10. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. I feel like, and as I bring you in on this, I feel like the Bears defense, they really do need to just be, I guess just above average to be kind of set that kind of stone in place or the foundation in place for moving forward because we're going to start to see some of the kind of older players move on. Like Akeem Hicks is in his last is in his last year. He's most likely not going to get re-signed. You have Bilal Nichols in his last year of his contract. You have Roquan is probably going to get an extension at the end of the season. So is there anybody that you're looking at that you're seeing that, this is someone that we need to see kind of progress from this season. I know we've we've gotten stories early on from minicamp that Kendall Vildor has kind of stepped up and has looked quite well, that he's picked off a couple of balls, one in particular against Jimmy Graham in kind of the red zone as well, which is, which is interesting because of how good Jimmy Graham was in the red zone last year. So for him to be able to do that when there's a big size difference is definitely kind of appealing to this kind of secondary where – Right now, I think there's a very low confidence level for people thinking of where this kind of secondary is going to go in 2021. So is there anybody that you're looking at that you're going to see that this there needs to be progress in this particular position? So obviously, Goldman, right, because he wasn't there last year. So we were all excited that he would come back, and now there's the whole, you know, he's not coming in. Bilal Nichols, I think, could be a real – big piece to this defense going forward. He's only 24. Um, you know, if you re-signed him four or five years, that's somebody who has played at a pretty decent level every time he's had a chance to. Um, I like the, I like Gibson, the linebacker. He was, he played pretty well last year also. Um, it, it's more of these younger guys. I don't really expect anything from Robert Quinn. Um, Hicks has had a problem staying healthy. Uh, you know, he's missed four games. Well, how many games did he miss last year? Eight games, four games, something like that. Um, and we know Khalil Mack's going to go out there and, and gut out any injury he has, but we've seen that with an injury, he's less effective. So you kind of have to turn to those younger guys and hope that that they can step up. I'm really hoping that that Tonga that they drafted, I'm hoping he'll be somebody who can jump in and fill in that role for Goldman if he's not available um, but the age of the defense definitely does. Uh, it worries me quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Look, Anthony, I'll give you kind of the, the last word in terms of the defenses. We've heard from quite a number of them um, this time around. A lot of them seem very motivated. 
what do you want to see, I guess, early on in the season from this defense? Because we saw early in the season last year that there was, the defense were successful and they had a, a good start to the season, but it just completely dipped off towards the end of the season. So what is it that you want to see from an early point? Because it's going to be important to see the defense kind of flying around the football again, because that's something we haven't seen in really since 2018 when Vic Fangio was the defensive coordinator. We haven't seen this defense that is more than capable of getting in and around the football and getting turnovers. We just haven't seen enough of that. And the amount of playmakers that are on this team, you just have to go through some of the names. It's It just goes to show that I don't know if it's just the way that Chuck Pagano was calling the defense or if he just didn't match with the players that were there. But what do you want to see early on? Probably the biggest thing I want to see is enjoyment. Like, like if you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, they looked like they were enjoying it. They looked like they're, and I know it was Fuller's massive hit that kind of started it all, but they looked like they were enjoying themselves. Then you look at the last four or five games and they checked out. Say what you want, they checked out. They were they were done. Um, and and that was that was whether it was because of Chuck Pagano or because they just checked out. I want to see that. I want to see Eddie Jackson prove me wrong. I want to see him go after the ball. I want to I want to see that it's the it's the enjoyment right across the defense. Like, get me out there. And, and I think that comes to, to having an offense that actually can do what they say they're going to do. Shad made a point about keeping the ball longer. Keep the defense off the field so when they go on, they're desperate to go on. Something that stood out in the conversations that I've heard in some of the press conferences was there was a lot more chirpiness from guys who didn't expect to be chirpy. So obviously, uh, Vildor was very chirpy when he did his interception against Jimmy Graham. That's what you want to see. I want to see that level of enjoyment, that kind of hyperness almost in our defense. That, that 2018 was there, 2019 was sort of there. Start of last year definitely was there, especially against Tampa Bay. But it seemed to be dead. The other thing is, if for some major reason that Rodgers decides to stick around in Green Bay, I want us to make him want to leave. One of our, one of our um, last week, Adam made a really, really good point. I, I, I'm, I, I throw it out there. I want Rodgers to stay at Green Bay. I'm one of the, probably the only people that wants to do that because I want Justin Fields to beat him. I don't want him to sneak off to Denver. I don't want the Green Bay Packers fans to go, oh, well, we didn't have Rodgers. I want Rodgers to be there. I want all their players to be there. So when Justin Fields beats them, it's even better. And, and with that, I want our defense to get after Rodgers. Rodgers embarrassed and humiliated our defense last season. No other word for it. And I want that to not happen next season. That's it. Yeah, that's that's completely fair because it's, it's one of those, look, when you talk about Aaron Rodgers, he pretty much dominates the defense in the majority of seasons. Like 2018 was was just a different animal. The defense was had the Packers number up front, which was really important. I think that's for me where you're going to see if this defense can kind of take it to another level where that front seven needs to be very productive because that's what kind of gave them success in 2018. That front seven was really hard to get away from. You just have to look at that first game against Green Bay. Rodgers was running for his life the whole game and gets injured. That's what you need from this front seven. And I think it's really, really important that we kind of do we do work on that. In terms of Rodgers staying or going, I, I completely get your point on that one, Anthony. But for me, it's whatever hurts Green Bay fans more is, is what I want. So, like, I think I would prefer to see him leave and then Green Bay fans either, A, have to cry about Aaron Rodgers leaving – or B saying, well, Aaron Rodgers wasn't that important to the team anyway. Because that's what, that's get, what we're getting. That's what we're getting at the moment. I'm like, 
these guys can't be serious. They they really think that their team is good without Aaron Rodgers. Like you just have to look at Vegas when Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers didn't play for the seat in the entire season, their win total would probably be five or six. With Aaron Rodgers, it's twelve or thirteen, and that's just showing you the difference. And I get that. Don't get me wrong. I won't be crying if he left. Don't get me wrong. I really wouldn't. And I've delighted goodbye for that exact reason that you're giving because i'm already hearing that they're saying jordan love is the next like greatest superstar he's better than justin fields i've heard that crap already like literally for me i just i don't want it to be a takeaway that's the only reason why i want us to be because and adam rank made a really good point on wednesday we want to send his ass to denver we want him to be begging to go to denver not to oh bye and then it's like oh bears to, to be fair though he is already begging to go to denver so <laughs> so, uh, so, at that, so at that point it's the same thing anyway like it's who wants to uh, live see, in wisconsin see uh, well that's i keep bringing up the whole joakim noah thing is when he talked about cleveland who wants to go to cleveland who wants to go to green bay like at the end of the day it's nobody really wants to go there the only thing they have is lambo and that's that's about it and there's still a funky smell when you go around that so, area of the world. So I live in Wisconsin, right? Oh, and it sorry, is, man. It, sorry, is man. it is terrible up here. But like <laughs> like you guys were just talking, man. Like these Packer fans, they're like, oh, well, even if Rogers leaves, Justin Fields will come in. You won't even notice a difference. Like the the lunacy in that comment is ridiculous. That that's this is a fan base that or especially their younger fans that don't really know what it's like not to have a quarterback and that's and that's the thing like i i just keep going it's like you just have to look at a very small sample size in new england and how pissed off they were with last season they expected that oh they would still be able to do pretty good with cam newton after tom brady leaves brady leaves wins the super bowl new england struggling you saw how aggressive they were in kind of free agency and the and the draft to try and rectify it and Look, it's it's going to be very interesting to see a lot of Packers fans kind of eat their words, especially a particular, I, I guess you can call him, reporter on, on Twitter or just guy that everybody knows in terms of his terrible takes in relation to the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think most people probably know who I'm talking about. Um, but again, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. I think I would prefer to see like Green Bay not want to trade him and he just like, sits out the entire season and, and just doesn't come back. I think that one will be fun. But I think, the, look, Anthony, I think the most probable kind of scenario is that he probably does play for a year and then tries to get out of there again. I think that's probably what's most yeah. likely to happen. All right, so we're going to have our, our second kind of debate topic today. And it's an interesting one that I think a lot of people will probably say a similar answer for. Um, we've spoken about it on the show before, Anthony, but... Who do you think is under the most pressure in 2021 for the Bears organization? So this can be player, it can be coach, it can be the general manager, or anybody else. It can be the the kit man for all you for all you want. So look, Corey, I'll start with you. Who do you think is under the most pressure in the 2021 season? Uh, I hope this isn't a cop out, but nobody's under pressure. Uh, absolutely nobody. I think drafting Justin Fields got. At least years more. Um, I think if we make it to the playoffs this season, especially, you know, there's a chance we could squeak it in. Um, that gives them another two to three years. I think pace absolutely uh, with especially, uh, you know, Justin Fields, but also the later picks of this draft. You know, we, we hit it out of the park, but there's so much value in this draft class. 
Um, Matt Nagy is the number two winningest coach in the past 40 years. He's brought us to the playoffs in the past two to three years. Um, all the players respect him, seem to like him. He has a great rapport with Pace. Um, I, I, I don't know. There's nothing more to say. I don't, I don't think anybody's under pressure. I actually agree. Um, I've said this all along. Anthony disagrees with this particular opinion on Matt Nagy. I've said it all the time that I don't think Pace or Nagy are on or in any kind of minute bit of pressure. Um, I think, especially when it comes to Pace, and I know a lot of people don't like him, but he's very kind of at the hip with George McCaskey. And I could, I still just can't see McCaskey firing Ryan Pace unless they do such a bad job that they have no other choice. And now the fact that they've drafted Justin Fields is you can pretty much guarantee that Pace is here for the lifetime of that Justin Fields contract. So I think that's for me and in, in terms of those two, I think, I think they're quite safe. Ace, look, what about you? Is there anybody that you think is under pressure in the 2021 season for the bears? So I agree with your pay with your pace and Nagy being safe. Um, I think it's going to go back to the defense. I think, Sean Desai and Khalil Mack will be under the most pressure. If Mack can't perform better than he's performed the last two years, I wouldn't be surprised if they look to trade him. Sean Desai is coming in there. Everyone's saying, you know, young Vic Fangio, he knows the players. He knows the, the, the system to put these players in to be successful. I think if you see this defense take a step back, they would move for, on from him pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Anthony, what about yourself? Is there anybody else that you think – is in trouble for the 2021 season? I wouldn't say in trouble, but I think the pressure will come on to Tevin Jenkins because a lot of people see Tevin Jenkins as this left side absolute beast. He is a rookie. It's year one. He is a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to learn from him. Tevin Jenkins one stands out. Obviously, I'm going to say this because Karen doesn't like kickers, but if Carlos, and his name is Carlos, not Cairo, Carlos Santos kicks every single goal, keeps going, Kicks them all, all day. I am buying Karen a number two jersey for him to proudly wear the start of the following season. Kickers are not people, just so you know. <laughs> all right. So, Rishav, about, what about you? Last one up. So, is there anybody that's under pressure? Do you agree or disagree with the Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace kind of conversation? I somewhat disagree. I don't think anybody's going to be fired. I'm just predicting that right now. But I think Ryan Pace is definitely safe because he drafted – Justin Fields, he got all these good players in the later rounds. But I think Matt Nagy, he's under at least a little bit of pressure. Like, again, like I said, I don't think he's going to be fired. But if he has as bad of an offense this year as he had the last two years, I, you don't think the fans are going to, like, call for his head? I mean, obviously, the, what the fans say doesn't really matter. But if you, doesn't, if you don't show us anything on offense, right, even with the new quarterback, with Justin Fields, with Andy Dalton, both of them, if we're still bottom three in the league in offense, I think he could be fired. I mean... I don't think we're going to be bottom three, but like he's never had a good offense here in Chicago. So I think he is at least a little bit under pressure. Yeah, there's an interesting comment here, which I'm going to disagree a little bit with. With uh, Chubbs says 60,000 people are going to be booing Matt Nagy every home game. There's not 60,000 people in Soldier Field. So <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's why they need, need to move. So look, I, I actually do somewhat agree with, with that kind of opinion that if the Bears' offense, is still as putrid as we've seen at the end of the day, it's a results-based business. And as a coach that look completely understand what, what you're saying, Corey, in terms of that, I know there was that report that came out that was saying kind of all the most winningest coaches for the bears and Matt Nagy was up there. 
Um, but I think my biggest point is the fact that he, he was supposed to be this offensive guru. You bring in two more quarterbacks and you can't get success with Andy Dalton or Justin Fields and you come up with some other excuse to why it didn't work or halfway through the season, we still don't have this identity of the offense. At some, at some point in time, I just, I just feel like it's, it's not going to work. Like you have to, at some point you need to make sure that this offense is going to kind of be established and you're going to start to see improvements. And we haven't seen that. It's been, it's actually gotten worse since kind of that first season, then going into the second season. And even last year, like where you, you just seem like you can't move the ball. And that's one of the biggest kind of problems. I think that needs to kind of be rectified. If, if, they are average on offense. I think Matt Nagy safe. I think the only way he's gone is if the offense looks absolutely terrible. And even with Justin Fields playing, like I don't care if, if they lose some of the games, but you see, okay, we know what we have in this offense. We know what we have in Justin Fields going forward. I think everybody can relax a little bit on Matt Nagy. My biggest problem is if the, if the offense looks terrible, like you were saying, Rajab, then I think that's when, the biggest question marks are going to come forward because at the end of the day, like while Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have a really good relationship, if Matt Nagy's not getting it done and the offense isn't improving, like part of the whole thing of for Ryan Pace is selecting the players, but then you have to have the right coaching staff to develop those players. And if he starts to think that they don't have that, that's when there's going to be, that's when there's going to be a bit of a problem. I think in, in Chicago kind of moving in and, um, Look, the last kind of thing I want to just go on is we're going to kind of touch back just a couple of comments from each of you in terms of this the quarterback position for Justin Fields kind of moving forward, whether it's what your reaction was when the pick was made, how you're feeling kind of a couple kind of weeks or two months after now that this is all kind of settled down because I know I think everybody was on cloud nine for so long and I think everybody's still at that point to where I don't think you can say anything bad about Justin Fields because if you do, there's going to be a bear sign that's going to be chasing you down for a while. So, look, I'll start with you, Corey. Is I guess from the time of when this all happened, I know for us, we when we were on our live stream, we were both going kind of insane as it as it was happening. So, what was your reaction? And now, about two months later, how you're feeling about this election? Yeah, I uh, I actually I turned the draft on a little bit late. It was on like right during prime dinner and bedtime for my kids. So I'm like pulling food into their mouths and throwing that as fast as I can. Um, and I, I turned it on right when Carolina picked um, uh, JC Horn, the cornerback. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And um, I just remember that second that the Giants logo switched to the Bears logo and my heart started pumping a mile a minute. Twitter starts going crazy. I'm I'm texting family left and right. And Mac, honestly, Mac Jones wasn't even a blip on my radar in that instant. I knew we were going to the field. I was so excited. It was, it was the most excited I have ever been in a draft. And everything since then, for me, has only gotten better. You know, I loved his comment after, after he got drafted. You know, him saying, there's been too much talking lately. Let's get to work. He seems unbelievably intelligent um i love his attitude he just seems like he puts his nose to the ground and and he seems like he he obviously has 
a, a winning attitude. And I think that was missing. that a lot of issues. But his attitude, he looked like a wounded puppy, right? And I think that Justin Fields is a total one from that. Um, if if possible, I've only gotten even higher on him in the in the two months since we drafted him. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Asa, I'll bring you on this one. Is I guess first of all, like, what was your reaction when all this was going down? Because I know for us, it like we were kind of talking up Justin Fields beforehand. We were like, oh, the further he can fall, the better. Uh, we still expected him to go anywhere between kind of like four and nine. And when it kept happening, when just kept falling and falling, we were just kind of going a little bit crazy with what was happening. Unlike what Corey was saying, we did have that like initial fear. like, it is better not be Mac Jones because, and then I think the only time that when I think we could relax is when the camera shot to Justin Fields sitting room and nobody was there. And I think that's when it was at the point where you knew this is what was happening. And then kind of you fast forward to now and you kind of look at, look at the t more tape from Justin Fields. You're hearing all the reports about him, the two kind of interviews he's given as well. So what are your overall impressions of the pick and kind of what we've seen since then? Sure. So we did a 1252 pre-draft show and then we did a live show during the draft. And in the pre-draft show, I predicted that the Bears would make a jump up. I thought they'd jump up to number eight. Um, turns out they jumped up to 12 to get Justin Fields. When, when the pick came through, my buddy Fat Mike was not very happy. Um, He's he's a you know you got to fix the O line first before a quarterback even matters, and we had talked about okay the Bears probably won't get a quarterback they'll go O line then Justin Fields falls to them, um, we were ecstatic except for him then the next day they draft Tevin Jenkins who everybody thought was going to be the initial first round pick for the Bears so it all kind of went together all the negative from the 2017 draft that came out kind of came back in positivity for the 2021 draft. Now, right now, what stands out to me is a quote that he said where they asked him about the pressure playing in Chicago. And he said, there is no pressure, that he expects himself to be a franchise quarterback. The Bears have never had a quarterback with that type of mentality. Cutler was the closest thing to an I don't care type of mindset, but he didn't have the the drive like this kid has to want to be great. I think that Justin Fields for the Chicago bears was a complete franchise changer. It changed. Everybody hated pace and Nagy before the draft. And all of a sudden they draft this kid and we're not even talking about the negative that's been in the past. It's all bright looking forward. Yeah. I, I completely agree with all that. Look, I think, Fat Mike is probably one of the few people as he it was very reminiscent of like some of the kind of older Bears fans that was listening to that day after when you're trying to get everybody's reaction as those guys that like, oh, we should have just drafted an O-lineman in the first round and the second round. We shouldn't have traded any picks for any of our players. <laughs> but like at the end of the day, I think where we know it now, you're going nowhere if you don't have your quarterback. And for us, I know especially on this show, we've we've been so in on Justin Fields, even I think from the start, from when we started doing the show, Anthony, and it's just, it was kind of a surreal moment that it actually happened. Um, Rashad, what's your, what was your kind of, I guess, first impressions of when all the kind of craziness went down to now when we've kind of heard more from the coaching staff, we've heard more from 
Justin Fields himself, and then also some of the beat reporters that have kind of given us some of the ups and downs over kind of the past two or three weeks. Yeah, so the funny thing is I actually predicted the Bears to draft Justin Fields. Like in my mock draft video I released, you know, a couple of months ago, I actually had the Bears trading up to, I think it was like number eight overall with the Panthers, which obviously they didn't have to trade up that high, but I actually had the Bears getting Justin Fields. But part of me still thought that it was not actually going to happen, right? It's just me being a little bit too optimistic. You know, Carolina's probably going to select him. Denver's probably going to select him. But when I saw him slide past the top 10 and then obviously when the bears traded up like i was just going insane jumping up and down probably the top three happiest i've ever been in my life watching sports so i was just losing my mind and so happy and yeah like you guys said i mean it's been nothing but happiness since that moment like i I know also like online on social media you know a lot of bears fans have been fighting about certain things in the past but now it's all just like rainbows and sunshines and like everybody's cool with each other so it's it's been really cool to see and also um, you know, you, t- you asked about like what the beat reporters are saying, right? Um, like what, what the reports are saying. And I think that, yeah, for the most part, it's been all positive stuff, right? Like we're seeing that, oh, he's looking very accurate in camp. Um, his receivers really like him. He has that mentality that other quarterbacks did not in the past. Like, for example, Mitch Trubisky, he didn't really carry himself around like Justin Fields does. Like Mitch Trubisky, you kind of felt like you had to he kind of had to try to be that star quarterback for us. But Justin Fields, it's like he already is that guy. Like he knows he can be great. He's confident, talks to the media very well too. So I just think that everything with Justin Fields, with the beat reporters, what they've been saying, all the quotes we've been getting, it's just been all positive. And it's just so crazy to to like see as a Bears fan because I'm not used to this at all. I'm like questioning if this is even real life. So it's been been a lot of fun. That's the exact thing that we've been going through here it's just like i still find it hard to believe that he's a bears player because beforehand like we did our kind of pre-draft show as well and we were like i don't care you have to move everything to move up to four to go get justin fields go do it and the fact that he fell all the way to 11 it was just it just made it even even sweeter that you saw the 49ers give up so much to move up and go get trey lance and then Justin Fields kind of falls into the Bears lap it was it was a kind of a perfect scenario which is weird because nothing ever seems to work out in the Bears favor you look at past drafts with Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes and you even go back further to when the Bears got kind of pipped one pick ahead when they got Kyle Fuller when they wanted Aaron Donald things like that as always we've always been used to that as Bears fans but it's the first time in a while I think there's genuine positivity on kind of the offensive side of the ball going forward it's it's been it's definitely one that we're gonna have to i guess so i know it's it's hard for some bad times they want to kind of just have everything now but we do have to be a little bit patient with with justin because we know he's not going to be probably starting early on but I've always said it, and Anthony, I'll give you kind of the last word on this. I've always said that the minute that Justin Fields comes in, that's it. He's not coming back out. I don't want to see anything like we saw in Miami last year with Tua going in and out, in and out. Once Justin Fields is in there, that's it for um, unless he's injured in a particular game, that's it for the next 10 to 15 years, hopefully, in a Chicago Bears uniform. So I'll give you the kind of the last points on, on this, Anthony, in terms of the overall stuff with what you've heard, we, look, we've I've got your we've got your kind of reaction to the picks and stuff. But in terms of what you've heard, even just this week, in terms of Justin Fields, um, what have you liked about some of either whether it's what he said in his interview 
or some of the reports that will come out this week in minicamp? I think the, the best example has been, and if you compare him to, to Mitch, is the, is the scenario that he turns up at the Cubs game. And just what he did to the city of Chicago at the Cubs game, whether you're a White Sox fan or whether you're a Cubs fan, is almost irrelevant because of what, it, what the reaction he got. And I think what he's done as well for the defence, what it seems what he's done for the defence in, in the camp where they were all, yeah, we want to see this and we want to, like, everyone seems to be excited. And it seems to be bouncing in. I think if we look back to our first ever show, Karen, oh, you asked me, what, I, what was I looking forward to this year? And I was like, maybe Sean Desai doing something with the defence? Question mark? I didn't look forward to anything else. I, I had no interest. I was like, we're going to bomb out, probably look to see if we can get in the top two or three in the draft year after. Now, I'm sitting there going, oh my God, our offense could be insane. We we could have our franchise quarterback for 15 years. Like, we could have a scenario where Justin Fields' first snap, he could become the best quarterback of our history. That's the level where my brain is thinking, this guy could become that. And I didn't think I'd ever have that with, with a quarterback in Chicago. And to have that that opportunity with him, and what he'd been saying, he's like, I, I said it in the show a few times, if you go back to the first interview he had as a Chicago Bear and listen to that and you listen and say that's a rookie because he doesn't sound like a rookie he sounds like somebody who is ready to go he's all in and I can't wait to see him run up and down the San Francisco 49ers Denver Broncos Carolina Panthers sideline screaming abuse at them as he's running past them because that's what we want we haven't had that ever usually it's the other guy doing it to us I just can't wait to see this guy in the field yeah it's it's crazy just to kind of See the emotion of the fans because as a Bears fan, I don't think we've ever been like together on any sort of issue on the offense. It's always been like there's always like with the Cutler stuff, there's always the people that love Cutler and the people that absolutely hated him that never wanted him to be a Bear. Same thing happened with Trubisky, you know, lots of people are saying, Oh, give him time, give him time. And then there's others that just completely didn't want him to it got to the point of where there was those, as people would say, the kind of Trubisky truthers. And then also the people that wouldn't give him any ounce of credit, even if he deserved it. But this is the first time I think we probably have the fan base all in unison wanting kind of the same thing. And it's really good to see. You just have to see kind of, you mentioned it, Anthony, the, the difference between what happened when Mitch was at the Bulls game the first day after he was drafted and everybody booed him which was quite unfair at the, at the time to what we saw with Justin Fields at the Cubs game where there was a very long standing ovation for him. And it just shows how hungry the Bears fans are for a franchise quarterback. And I think everybody truly believes that Justin Fields can kind of fit that bill. Look, it's been great having you guys on for, for the show. I guess before we go, I'm going to come to each of you so you can kind of say where some of your work is, whether it's podcast, writing, any anything that you guys do. So, Corey, I'll start with yourself. Yeah, I'm a contributor for Bear Down Report, and I'm I'm on Twitter. I think that's my favorite platform to connect with, the, with fellow fans. So I'm at uh, B-D-R-C-O-R-I-E, so B-D-R Corey. Perfect. Ace, what about yourself? I know you do um, quite a bit with Fat Mike over on your podcast platform there. So if you want to get some kind of bad Justin Fields takes, you can go over and listen to Fat Mike. But at least Ace is, <laughs> at least, at least, at least Ace is there to kind of calm to calm it down and like say what most. I, I try to keep really him. Feeling. I try to keep him grounded for the most part. But yeah, um, yeah, we we have our our brand, uh, the twelve fifty two Sports Chicago brand. Um, you can find that on Twitter twelve fifty two underscore sports. Um, my personal 
handle on any social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is right there at Sport Court AC. Um, we have a lot of cool shows on that. Uh, 1252, um, the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show. Uh, we have Fred Hubner has his own show with us, Hubes Views and Brews, um, Turtles Take, a bunch of good stuff coming. Um, so, yeah, definitely go and check us out. Yeah, absolutely. Rashad, again, I know a lot of people will, will know you for some of your kind of compilations online because it's anytime you see a hype video and it's right. it's usually it usually comes from you. But look, is there kind of some of the other stuff that you want to kind of tell people about? Yeah, so, I mean, I pretty much just run a YouTube channel talking about the Bears, my opinions and stuff, and like you said, hype videos all the time. So, yeah, if you look up at the Windy City Productions on YouTube, you can find me. I also have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at DWC Prods, and I, yeah, I just pretty much talk about the Bears. You guys do so. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's been great having you guys on. You, everybody, you can kind of find all this on all your audio streams as well. So it'll be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor. Make sure that you do subscribe over onto YouTube and you hit that kind of notification button so you don't miss it because we have a lot of shows coming up over the next couple of weeks. A couple of exciting ones coming up too, as kind of while the bears kind of slow down we still kind of ramp up with some of the shows that are going on here so you can kind of get your bears fixed for those six weeks where there's absolutely no news we think because the bears just come out with something to make us all go crazy but look until next time it's been really good having you guys on thanks for joining us today until next time bear down bear down bear down, bear down.